Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Josh Newberg, and we've got the whole gang here today. Brennan Sinone, Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. We are all on the bench today, and we have a very special mailbag, mailbag! episode today. Welcome, guys. Uh, Brendan. Mailbag. Chris. Hello. And Zach. Mailbag! <laughs> <laughs> Well, before I dip my hands into the mailbag, I think we got a little news to cover. Uh, Baseball and hoops played over the weekend. Women's basketball entering the tournament and softball. Are they still undefeated? They remain undefeated. 15-0. 15-0. Chris, tell us a little bit about baseball and hoops real quick before we get rolling. Uh, Baseball had a 2-2 week. They lost at JU in the midweek by one. They lost yesterday to Samford in extra innings, 7-4, gave up a two-run shot. That kind of created the final margin. But uh, what we've learned over two weeks is that Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard are elite. They can put FSU in the category of winning two out of three pretty much any given weekend, which is good for a regional and a super regional format. They need to get better on the base paths. Building is still somewhere they need to fine-tune it. There's some guys that we need to see hitting a little bit better. That team is capable of being pretty good, though. Okay. And um, women's basketball? Uh, regular season wrapped up. One at Pitt yesterday. They are a team that are firmly on the bubble. I think Charlie Cream, Cream I'm not exactly sure I pronounced Charlie's last name from ESPN, who does women's bracketology. He had them as a first four out, along with another ACC club. I think it was Duke. And then Miami and BC were immediately first four in or last four in. Mm-hmm. So there's four teams right there in the ACC on the bubble. FSU goes into the ACC tournament, gets a single bye, will play in the 8-9 game on Thursday. It would probably be beneficial for FSU to try to make a little bit of a run in the ACC tournament. They're going to have to sweat it out regardless unless they win the ACC tournament. But it, it's interesting because their season has been such a yin and a yang of at some point seeming like they were dead and buried and then, kind of making a push for the tournament, going a bit back and forth here down a stretch. Right. Well, before we move on, there hasn't been a whole lot to celebrate for men's hoops over the last four or five weeks, but this weekend there was reason to celebrate. Yeah. I mean, hey, anytime you can nail a football pass down across midcourt and hit like a 37-footer while turning around with less than a second, yeah, it's pretty fun. I think Virginia absolutely passionately hates playing FSU at this point. One, we're as successful as Duke against them over the last several years. We're the two most successful ACC programs against them. I think that's a four or five year stretch now. Uh, so that kind of speaks to the level of what FSU's been. That game was funny. FSU, again, they were down 11 with 11 minutes left. I think it was nine with six minutes left. Matthew Cleveland was phenomenal down the stretch. The defense clen- clenched down. Cleveland hits the big one at the buzzer. It was pretty unbelievable. I, I was I was in the woods uh, this weekend. So I was yeah, so I was listening to it. So I got to hear Gene just lose his mind on the radio as he hit it. <laughs> then I immediately went to find the video feed because I didn't want to stream live video because Wi-Fi out where I was is so 
hit or miss, but uh, yeah, it was pretty unbelievable. And then, you know, I talked to both Matthew and Leonard Hamilton after the game. It was something that team needed. They they needed something to feel good about. It's been, yeah. you know, they've lost eight of 10. It's been a tough stretch without a lot of guys available. Yeah, it really has. Uh, all right. We're going to get into it. All of these questions, if you're wondering, are submitted by members of Knowles 24-7. We put up a post on Sunday evening saying mailbag. And um, the posters from Knowles 24-7 filled it up. We got like three pages of questions here that I have organized into team recruiting and off topic. I'll kind of toggle through all three as we go. And um ask you guys the questions that need to be asked. So let's just jump into it right now. Petty TJ wants to know, <laughs> do we field a top 25 team this year? In Good football? place to start. No, I don't think so. In football. What uh, does that mean? Like at any given point, it's a top 25 team or it finishes? I think there's the potential for it to enter in top 25. Say they, they beat LSU. Mm-hmm. Maybe they creep in there because people vote dumb early in the year and polls are stupid early in the year very reactionary um, but do i think they're a top 25 team when the dust settles after 12 regular season games now i don't know brendan probably not right now i have them like at six and a half wins when doing the percentage formula for the season uh projections so let's say they even round up and they get to seven wins but you're probably not being a top 25 team with with a seven win in regular season mm. and zach do you have them uh in the playoffs this year, <laughs> just outside. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. outside. Uh, no, nah, they're they're not they're not going to be a 20, top twenty five team for sure. Yeah, I think we could, like Chris said, maybe see him bounce in there at one point or two points during the year. Um, but I don't think that they finish as a top twenty five team, and I think that's what constitutes a top twenty five team. All right, Tampa Knoll seven seven six. How many how many wins this year? What is our pre spring prediction? Uh, Brendan just gave his at six and a half. Chris, I'm feeling pretty good about seven, maybe creeping out eight, but I think seven's where I'm settling right now. Zach, seven. Cool, me too. I'm at seven. I've been pretty consistent at seven this off season. Um, let's go to recruiting. Broward Noel fifteen wants to know, and this is more for you guys. Do you miss the bench? It's been a month of dead period. Do you miss the bench? Yes and no. Uh, it's kind of nice to be at home, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I enjoy when recruiting is going. I don't enjoy when it does go kind of dead. And for FSU, because of the circumstances, who they are, what they are, what the record says they are, for me, recruiting for them is who are they getting on campus? Who are we seeing walk through the door? What's the reaction to walking through the door and dealing with them that day? And then do they show up again? That's kind of how I view FSU recruiting right now is that's what matters to me. Words of a kid out of camp saying, oh, I like them. It it doesn't hold a whole lot of weight unless I've seen that kid walk through that door two Mm -hmm. or three times already. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Zach? Yeah, I mean, like Chris said, it's been been good to have a break, be at home for a while. But uh, definitely looking forward, especially Mm -hmm. kicking things off with a big uh, weekend event like Mm -hmm. like. You know, we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. And I do think the bench misses you guys for what it's worth. It's been cold out there. It wants F- Chris to sit on it. All right. Uh, I think we're warmed up right now. I think we're warmed up. We're really ready to reach into this mailbag and get into it. So FSU alum 04 wants to know, what was the Chris Parson drama all about? So if you, <laughs> if you decided in late February, three weeks after signing day, about 
47 weeks before the next signing day. If you happen to decide to log out on a Friday afternoon at about 2 p.m., what did you miss? Yeah, Zach, what did you do? Yeah, yeah uh, Zach. So Hold on, let's just I, let's just lay it out from from beginning yeah. to end. What because there probably are a lot of people listening that don't actually know what happened on Friday. Okay, so Friday, I get word that um, five star quarterback out of the Michigan area, Dante Moore, is going to be visiting Florida State on a college bus tour um, with the football hotbed group in the month month of March. Which is and, like a seven on seven unit. Yeah, it's like a seven on seven. They do they host a bunch of events, but Dante Moore's been involved with them since he was young. Um, so the guy let me know that he's gonna be part of their tour. And there's a couple other guys that I included in that article. I posted that. Um, Sounds exciting. Got, yeah, it, it was it was exciting. Um, you know, we haven't reported that Florida State's recruiting another quarterback. We'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. But um so Chris Parson, I guess, uh took that. Uh, in a negative way, it looked like. Um, you mean the headline that a yeah, five-star quarterback was visiting Florida State? Yeah. Um, so he tweeted out like some tweet. Uh, I I don't know if it was related or not. And then he started like deleting. And it said like LOL bet, which is like okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, is basically he started, what he said. He started deleting like FSU stuff out of his bios on all social platforms. You know, that's a like. We see that a lot with kids that are going to like decommit or, you know, I mean, it, it's a common thing in recruiting. Like we talk about mm-hmm. in our group chat all the time, but. Well, common to that, see when a kid is, is decommitting or, or reopening yeah. his recruitment. It's, it's it common. means something. It doesn't mean nothing when that happens. So, okay. So continue on. So he, he, t- so that he happens, takes that. Yep. Um, and then, you know, it kind of stalls for a while. And then later on in the day, Chris Parson posts like the I'm not leaving uh, video. Um, when you say wolf, it's wolf, 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 wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. The Wolf of Wall Street. So, I'm not so he takes everything out of his socials. You say it stalls, meaning Chris Parson's communication on Twitter. He doesn't do anything else. But when when you say it stalls. I wouldn't say that the FSU message board stalled at that point. I mean, I think they were in full meltdown mode while Chris Parson was in silent mode. Meanwhile, also Twitter was doing its thing. They were in in full meltdown mode as well. And then, like you said, Chris Parson comes out maybe a couple hours later with the I'm not leaving gif. And he starts tweeting some kebabs. We think it's all good, right? He's, He's coming on campus on March 5th. Yes. He's still planning on visiting this coming weekend. So in if if you took off of, of social media, if you took off Knowles 24-7, 49 weeks before signing day, you missed a crazy afternoon. I uh, um, I just want to say I've, I've matured. I've learned. I, uh, I kind of just ignored it all. Um, Till he drops a note one way or the other, I'm not really sweating it. And that goes for all. That's not a Chris Parson uh, exclusive club. That goes for all commitments okay. and targets, especially February 28th, or actually, I guess this was February, what, 26? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, December's a hell of a long way off. How many days? A lot. 330 like some days. I mean, I'm not Miami fans. I don't count how long since our last championship or FSU fans that count how long since he beat us, things like that. But it's a lot it's of It's a days. long time. 
All right. We're going to get back on to Chris Parson. I just felt like we needed to kind of lay it out for those that weren't following the drama. Um, D Heasy wants to know, do we have any NFL draft picks in the back seven that are eligible, that are draft eligible next year besides Jamie Robinson? Jarvis Brownlee would be eligible. I don't know if he's, he's asking if these are guys who are probably he's saying, do we have NFL draft picks that are oh, going to be boy. eligible next year? So besides um, Jamie Robinson, does anybody in the secondary get drafted? Next get drafted. Year? That's what uh, he's asking. No, no. The, the NFL talent right now seems to be the younger guys like Namari and Cooper. And we'll see what Sam McCall uh, can do, but yeah, yeah. That's as Thomas as well. So yeah, the, the talent, the guys with NFL upside outside Jamie Robinson seem to be more underclassmen. I think playing time and depth chart will reflect that from the spring moving forward. You don't think Tatum Bethune has a chance? Oh, I was, I was, when he said back seven, I was only thinking, um, that's my bad. I was only thinking secondary members, Chris. Uh, I think Tatum Bethune does. He's a little shorter. I don't want to get into how size was short. Well, how we tall you and height. Oh my God! But uh, Tatum if you were to be... compare him to like an AJ Duffy, say, how tall <laughs> would he be? Would I? No, no, I'm not taking your bait. No, uh, maybe Kaylin Deloach. She's someone that too is like doesn't have the prototypical size because that does matter when you're drafting guys. But does fly around if he keeps progressing potentially? Those guys could. I don't think at this point Amari Gaynor projects as an NFL caliber linebacker unless the lights click for him. Uh, yeah, I'm just going down the line here. I mean, Travis mm-hmm. Jade would would something that has like the profile of one, but just hasn't played played like one. That's the issue. It's the guys who kind of look like it. Jerry Jones looks like he could be, but just hasn't put it together instinctually and and uh, athleticism wise. So yeah, just unfortunately for Florida State, you're in a point right now where your your most talented players are largely younger guys in the back. Yeah, I'm, taking, I'm taking Bethune for two reasons. One, production already has it. I think he'll have a lot here. Two, I think he'll be the guy I've written about as linebacker group for FSU has improved dramatically with the insertion of this player, sort of the uh, mm-hmm. Jermaine Johnson effect we saw to some degree last year where he got a lot of good press because FSU had been dreadful out of position for so long. And then here's this injection of talent that makes a big difference. A, a few months ago, we weren't sure if Tatum Bethune was going to start. I, I think I was more on that bandwagon of him, but it sounds like we're coming around now based on what we're hearing in, in, in um, tour duty that he's kind of stepping up and being the what Chris like the uh, the vocal leader I guess uh, the the professional yeah he's a he's a black jersey game jersey kid so that means he's doing everything right for them which only holds so much weight but I just think I think Bethune is the guy that they brought in intentionally with the belief that he would help to dramatically alter that position I mean going back to when we did those rankings of the transfers I think I had him third and that's only because he was behind two guys that play on the line of scrimmage which is a more important position than linebacker will ever be so. All right. We had two of these questions that are similar. J-Rod, 31. Who gets meaningful snaps from the 2021 class? We also had somebody ask for the 2022. So let's talk about 2021. I got it up here. I mean, guys that have already played include Malik McLean and Amari and Cooper. Um, they're, they're, you know, Kevin Knowles is also somebody that has uh, played some meaningful snaps. And then we've heard a lot about Shaheen Brown, but we haven't exactly seen it transpire to the field so do you guys think that we see somebody like a Shambri Jackson a Patrick Payton a George Wilson Joshua Burrell who do you guys think from the 2021 class makes an impact this year I'm interested to see if Pat Payton can become essentially their 50 as it stands right now I think the verse and uh, 
Uh, Dennis, Dennis Briggs. Briggs will be your first line. And then obviously Quayshawn and Derek, who have been com- comfortable as the second guys, are your next guys. I'm interested if Pat and, or Patrick Payton. I kind of took both of his names and slapped them together there for a second. I'm interested to see if he can kind of give them some juice there. He's probably potentially maybe their best speed rush guy that they currently have in that group. So he would probably be my pick for 21 as far as a guy who hasn't done it yet. Josh Burrell is going to have a role. He can do things. He's very good at winning in a phone booth. Kid's got a phenomenal work ethic. I know he's kind of – he's chomping at a bit a bit to get back out there and get back after it after last year and how it transpired with the injury. So I, I think he'll contribute as well. I don't want to, you know, just drown him out completely. But Peyton would be my pick for 21. This is really the first class of the Norvell era. I guess 2020 was it was a toughie because that was a transition class. Uh, we're just going to have, I think, most a majority of the class is going to end up being contributors in some meaningful capacity during the course of the career. Uh, and for this season, I think we start seeing some of those guys who didn't you know, play last year start stepping into rotational roles. Chris mentioned Patrick Payton. I'd say him or Byron Turner are really good bets to become that fifth defensive end. Ideally, like if they could jump in and be the fourth guy with McClendon and kind of push Quayshawn Fuller and maybe even jump over McClendon, that would be awesome if that were to happen for FSU's long-term a prognosis on the defensive line. Chris mentioned Burrell. I think that's another safe bet of someone who's going to be involved in the rotation premium blocker. Jackson West is another guy who could get into the mix. FSU has a void at tight end with Jordan Wilson leaving. We've outlined like that there's uh, the veterans or White Rector, Preston Daniel. I do think there's playing time to be had for either a Marcus and Douglas or a Jackson West type. If they take a step, Joshua Farmer, I think is probably poised to be the fifth defensive tackle in FSU rotation. Mm-hmm. If a guy goes down, he's probably right there all of a sudden playing 15, 20 snaps a game. Uh, and don't forget, Destin Hill, also a part of the 2021 recruiting. Class. Instant impact type player. Can't wait till he gets here. Hmm. And from 22, it's the two DBs, McCall and Thomas. If someone's right. going to do it out of the gate for this team, one, that's a position that they've taken a lot of numbers. They want to have some guys push and see how they do. I also think both of those guys are extremely physically gifted. Thomas is a kid that, you know, he just works really hard. He's one of those I'm not going to bet against because I know what he's going to bring on a daily basis. That's barring not injury, the transfers, right? And yeah, not, yeah, not including transfers. Yeah. Barring injury, do we think Thomas gets more snaps than McCall this season? I do. I do too. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't really know why I feel that way. Um, one, I think Thomas is more of a pure corner while McCall's more of a float around corner safety type personally. But yeah, I, I just, I have confidence in AZ Thomas. Plus McCall came in with a bit of an ankle injury. I don't know how much that might hamper him in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think Thomas just carries himself in a way that's going to lead, lend to him playing early and having a chance and, and buying and uh, having coaches buy into him and, and trusting him. I'm with Chris. Right. All right, let's flip it back over to recruiting for a minute. Famous Seamus, does it seem like recruiting has slowed down for us, not seeing a lot of big names associated with FSU? Um, Zach? Yes. I mean, what's the feeling? In, in short, yes. Um, I think Florida State's still going to get talented guys on campus. March 5th is going to be kind of the, the cornerstone event uh, of, of this coming month. Um, but Definitely compared to, you know, we don't have anything really to compare it to because, you know, obviously June was a unique month uh, in the last recruiting cycle because kids haven't been on campus for, you know, a year and a half. Um, So 
are you really judging that um, as FSU's ability to get kids on campus or is it more so kids just want to get, you know, visit places that they haven't been able to visit in a long time? Um, so this is Mike Norvell's first true full recruiting cycle where he's allowed to host kids on a normal um, calendar, uh, recruiting calendar. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's a byproduct of, of the, the wins and losses on the field as mm -hmm. well as uh, just where FSU stands in the national landscape. It's not a it's not a hot commodity. It's not a hot name um, amongst, you know, even in the state of Florida, you got, whenever you have two new coaching staffs at both the other premier institutions in state, they're going to create more buzz just naturally. It doesn't matter if the coach is, you know, better or is going to produce well this coming season. Like during where we're at right now in the off season, it's all about hype. Literally, new car like, smell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of hope and excitement. And the question asks, does it seem like F, like recruiting has slowed down for us? I would say in the sense of effort and, and, and events, and no, recruiting has not slowed down for Florida State at all. It's, it's, it's all the way. Yeah, and uh, Some of the a... top recruits on the board already taking Florida State out of their recruitment. Yes, that has happened. Yeah. But I don't yeah. – go ahead, Chris. I think people have to be comfortable with that. Though. That's going to happen. They're going to try to battle for some of the best, and they're going to mm -hmm. miss out on most, to be perfectly honest, barring really good results on the field. It's going to be tough for them to win out. When you're recruiting, for example, Vic Burley is a kid that I know they love. Georgia Clemson, those are the top two. It's going to be real hard to beat Georgia Clemson. Just if you beat Clemson head-to-head, -head, maybe that puts you in a better position. I think there's nothing that illustrates FSU's kind of – low in recruiting right now than the defensive backboard one year ago to today versus one year ago yeah versus now For i mean 23 kids yeah yeah cormani mcclain aj harris tony mitchell i mean the list goes on they were yeah. not only they were on campus in march remember the because Florida State on was the board now is mccarry vickers who's what about top 75 in the country and how do you so feel about him uh, I feel like it's going to be a battle, and that's a kid in your backyard. I, I think they have a legitimate chance. They're going to keep getting him on campus. He does have a, he does have an interest in FSU, without a shadow of a doubt. But if Bama comes along and really wants him, do I think FSU beats him out? No. It's just it's where they're at and what it is right now. Mm -hmm. But it is worth a footnote. They're going to have, in March, as we know right now, at least like eight top 100 kids. They're still getting pretty good talent through mm -hmm. the door. But it's going to be tough for them to close on those kids. It's it's just where they're at right now. I think people have to understand that when they win a four-star battle, it's a good win for them. Like, that's who and what they are. If they win a five-star, that's an insanely good win for them. Sam McCall last year, don't let that moment when they landed Sam McCall fade away. That was a special moment for them. And they're in a worse position right now as far as momentum, what they're able to do, what they're recruiting against, who they're competing against, than they were at that point. D2 wants to know, does FSU have any current off-field staff openings? If so, any names to watch? Uh, barring them creating another position, I don't know of any vacancies offhand. Um, you can correct me if I'm forgetting something, but I cannot think of anything. Uh, is Justin there... Krause is a guy that's here, hasn't mm -hmm. been announced, but you know we've talked about him previously. I think he was seen. Wasn't he on the video, the birthday song video? I think he was. Uh, he might have been. I know he's definitely here. I mean, he was sharing yeah. the, the spring calendar for practices. Yeah. For yeah and I know he was introduced to the coaching staff like two Mondays ago. So yeah. it's yeah. just kind of a thing that hasn't been announced. Yeah. I don't think there's any major positions. Like there's no GA or analyst roles to fill. I think those are all filled. 
could we see, you know, an off field job? Yeah, maybe here, there, but I think for the most part, Florida state heading into the spring, I mean, this is what the, the support staff's going to look like. And it grew uh, considerably this off season, a couple of new positions opened up, namely the GM position, which is a major, major job, not only position wise, but salary wise as well. Yeah. And key one's positions a newly created one, the essentially assistant director to high school relations. Hmm. All right. Uh, Korea Noel wants to know one of the big hiring points for no- Norvell was his big Rolodex after the Dugan situation. Do y'all believe this was overstated from the beginning that Norvell only looked at and was turned down by top candidates available or the other factors kept coordinator options away? Um, I'll take this. One, I don't really know who said who said he had a big Rolodex heading in. I mean, he knows a lot of coaches. I think we all – I mean, one of the strengths of – one of his perceived strengths, Josh, was that he was able to – I mean, a lot of coaches came from his coaching tree and moved on. And, and moved up. And moved up, yeah. So I think that's more so maybe than a Rolodex is that he – he was mm-hmm. someone who was considered a good evaluator of of talent from the coaches. So then, if you got a highly in the coaching industry, then I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt for about for if you're saying that he was a good hiring of coaches coming in and did a good job of surrounding himself with great coaches, then I think you look at the Tony Tokar's promotion and you're like, oh yeah, of course I want him to promote from within because these are his guys. His guys come up, then they move mm-hmm. on, and they and it's just this farm system. So. And- Tokars was always going to get promoted here or go somewhere else and or get have the, type of job. or have the chance. And same with Atkins too. I believe Atkins was given some level of like, Hey, if when, if, and when Kenny leaves, you'll have a really good chance at this. So you can't be a coach's coach and develop that reputation and then say, well, they're not really evaluating their options uh, when you promote from within to Josh's yeah. point. And then he says, um, then the question after the Dugan situation, do you think it was overstated from the beginning that Norvell only looked at and was turned down by top candidates available? I mean, I haven't seen many coaching reports outside of Knowles 24-7. I feel like I got a pretty good pulse on what's going on. I know for a fact they went after Juwan Sider in earnest. Um, the only other name that's been reported came out of Knowles 24-7 and it was Phil McGagan. Uh, Phil signed with Colorado, Colorado, State. Colorado State. State. Colorado no, I think it was Colorado. Colorado. It was Colorado. I think it was a Colorado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the only lines. reason the only reason Phil signed with Colorado is because he did not have a offer from Florida State. So, I mean, I've turned over a lot of stones and the only person that I can say, you know, was quote unquote offered the job was John Sider and he's at Penn state and there's numerous reasons. And we've gone over that on the podcast as to why. So I don't think this is like a situation where Mike Norvell was turned down. Am, am I missing any names? Uh, the, the running back coach from UNC was considered, I don't know if offered, but you had mentioned and reported. Talking about Larry Porter. Yeah. I had mentioned yeah. he's a name to watch. I never, you know, I, I never got to the point where I don't, you know, I don't know if he was ever even contacted, but Either way, I don't think this was a scenario where, you know, some people are making this look to be like Mike wanted to make a change. He exhausted a lot of different avenues and ended up with re-signing his wide receiver coach. I don't, that's not really the way it went down. I don't think Norvell went super. Yeah, he will. So there's two different things at play here that could both be true. One is like we collectively as a group who covers team can say, all right, the wide receiver recruiting and production has been underwhelming and we may not thought that was the best move and avenue for Florida State to do is to, to re-sign Ron Dukins. 
Uh, but that's so that's one thing that I think we've all stated before to some fashion or another. I don't think I'm speaking out of school there. The other side of that is Norvell, who looked at his staff and looked at his options, said, okay, maybe there's one or two options out there for a clear-cut potential upgrade that'll really help us out, and said, No, I don't if I can't get those one or two guys like Cider, then I think having continuity and consistency is more valuable at this stage in the program's development. And that's the decision he took. It's not like he went and swung and missed on like 10 different guys. Right. I think that's the medium ground that people need to understand is we may not like what the end result was, or you may not like it, but it also doesn't that in, in this specific example was not a case of him just going down the ladder or up the ladder and missing a one guy after another, yeah. after another, that's not what happened. Yeah. I think that's a good job of describing it. I think Thank you. two things can be true. It's a very complex issue. No. All right. Go Knowles. If you could take one player, not named Jameis Winston from the 2013 team and insert him into the 2022 roster who you choosing either kelvin or rashad green I, <laughs> I went with two other guys chris which probably speaks to that team I, my first two i thought of were lamarcus joiner or Tremmy jernigan um it uh, probably for a similar reason why you had telvin there it was just more from an attitude standpoint and and yeah making you feel their presence all the time would would jalen ramsey be like he'd be a freshman version of himself yeah, i guess i'd see i'd take uh, freshman Jalen Ramsey and tie him with Travis. Oh no, wait, not Travis Hunter. I mean Jeez. Sam McCall. Oh, oh that, come, on. come on, him and Sam McCall would be That's a dynamic cute. duo. Okay. Wow. Um, Rashad Green's a good one too, Chris, because he's so steady and reliable. And you know, you give Jay Travis Can't share number one. Yeah, yeah, it would make Jay Travis a Heisman candidate probably. Oh, Zach, God, who are you taking you. from that team? I like Rashad Green and Lamarcus Joyner. Mm. No Timmy Jernigan, no no. What's it? The D lines are the D lines like the strength of the team. Why do you want to make, out of just, any person you could pick? You strength and strengths when you're building a team. Strength and Timmy was loco. Weakness is how to watch. I would he just put have, up with no ish. Yes, it was just more from an attitude standpoint. But you're right, Zach. Collectively, I love Kelvin because of the leadership. I mean, he, on that team in 13, yeah. he was an unbelievable leader, and, mm-hmm. and obviously linebackers position that. I'm always here for upgrade season. Imagine if you took Jalen and LaMarcus. Well, you can only take one. Remember when LaMarcus got the interception oh, yeah. against oh, Clemson no when there were just 10 defenders on the field? No, actually, I wasn't there for that, but yeah, I've heard stories. I've heard stories, Chris. What happened? Some people, uh, some people just, listening may not know that. He cracked them in the end zone and dove during a practice, and Jimbo lost his mind. I think he actually kicked him out of practice, if I remember correctly. Um, I That LaMarcus never slowed down, ever. It didn't matter. Practice, walkthrough, game, didn't matter. It, everything was approached the exact same way. It's why he plays on Sundays and he plays at a high level despite being kind of a short cutoff guy, you would have hated his heights. Though. Shut up. Since you're, since Shut up, Chris. Heightism kind of guy. Yeah. Um, Self-loathing five foot nine guy over here. But no, Lamarcus was just awesome. But Willie came across the end zone, just got cracked. And uh, I believe it was a concussion. It was a really bad one and kind of altered his whole path. It was a butterfly effect moment. Maybe. Wasn't Halstead supposed to be like the, he was a big the body athletic possession guy who could do some things. All right, touchdown FSU. If you could name this, is just going to be for Brandon. If you could know one stat from the end of the 2022 season right now, what would it be? Wins. Is that a stat? Wins are a stat. 
I guess not. Quarterback wins are not a stat. Oh wow. Okay. Um, that's a good question. I uh, wins are an outcome. Wins and losses are outcomes. A stat, like rushing numbers, tackles, sacks. What about? Could I know how many games Jordan Travis played? Yeah. Started. Is that a stat? Yeah. Games started. Games played. Yeah, that would be it. I think games played is a stat. I think if he's over ten, then your chance of winning six to seven games is very good. I think if it's lower than that, that that becomes dicey. Um, You need J. Trav for all twelve games to have a chance to get to eight eight (laughs) plus wins. Yeah. Don't laugh. It's not fun. Oh, that's a good one. I think that is a, a good stat. I thought you were going to pull some obscure like S and P number or something. No, I'm I'm here to I'm here to to entertain you, Josh. I know I know mine. I know my audience. FSU had 33 sacks last year. How many returned? Twelve and a half. I was going to say Dennis or Dennis wow. Briggs had a couple. So they was over half of their sack production. And and yeah, yeah and we were worried about. I sack mean, a great deal of that's game. Jermaine and Care. Cushioning had a couple. True Thompson was in on one. That's kind of the ones that push it over 20. But yeah. Uh, How many just... sacks did they have in 2020? Ooh, I don't remember that. Very, very, I, I mean, I, it was all Jermaine or Jermaine John. Janaris Robinson was the only defensive end on the roster to have. Wasn't a it sack like eight or nine had, total sacks it, by the D line? It may have been. Oh, by the D line. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was under 20 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so knowing, so if we were heading into the 2022, the reason I asked that, is because we knew that the defensive line was a major point of contention for Florida State. Need to get after the pass rusher. So if before the 2022 season, you told me that they had 33 sacks, we would have been like kind of mind blown by that. It just, yeah, yeah, it feels they had, oh, wow, wait, 2020 they had, oh my God, they only had 10 sacks. Right. (laughs) So if they go from, if if we knew before the season started that this team was going to go from 10 to 33, we'd have been like, damn, that's a, it's pretty promising. Yeah. It, Jermaine Johnson out sacked that team from years ago. Yeah, he did. He did. And Kerry Thomas almost got close to Kerry Thomas was, was one or two big games away. Um, Listen, like with Jermaine Johnson too, I remember us having Chris and I having a conversation about it and, and right away, like the first day of spring, like you see Jermaine Johnson walk through like onto the practice field and it just looked different than everyone else. And you're like, Oh, that's what it looks like. Right. That that's what it's supposed to be at this, at this program. And we watch him, in practice and then move and see that he has like an inside move. I remember Chris gushing over like, Oh, he actually has an inside move. I haven't seen that since Brian birds. And, uh, and then you get to start hearing about like the professionalism, the leadership, the attitude, all that stuff. And even going into the season, we were like trying to set the bar low and set expectations of like, man, seven or eight sacks would be great compared to you what know when been. I knew he was going to be a badass mofo. When he ACC put- kickoff, I was going to say when him and that interview got in a fight before he went on the main stage at ACC kickoff was 100% the dude planning his flag at midfield and saying, I'm going to do all these things. And he had shown enough in practice and been great in the spring to actually kind of believe him. And then hell, he went out there and did it. He did it from the kickoff. Yeah. And he was just like, man, the way he so tough to replicate, like he got better as games went on and like had this weird knack Demarcus Walker kind of had that too. Like for the moment, like when a big sack was needed, like he somehow pulled it out. Like he found a way to, to get there and create a play. And that's just, yeah, I, I think, I know I, I'll speak for myself. I think very highly of Jared Verse. I think a ton of his upside. Uh, there's some evidence to think like he may have higher upside than Jermaine Johnson, which is crazy because Jermaine's a, a a very likely top 10 pick, uh, definitely a top 20 pick at this point. Uh, Jared Verse has the ability to be in the same conversation, be a top 10 guy with his his frame and his burst, his get off and his effort. But I just don't know if like that, Jermaine Johnson had multiple years at Georgia, even in a sub, you know, sub-starter role, uh, in that weight program around practicing against other power five elite players 
Jared Verse expecting that kind of impact, jumping up from SCS to FBS in year one, just seems seems like a stretch. Seems unlikely. I just don't think Verse is as twitchy, I guess, is the best way I can describe it in a single word, is Jermaine had something uniquely that that explosion that can't be timed the you know just a move when it has to be made the determination and the will when he's kind of ticked off at the other team for trying to take him out of a game that he's going to go make a play uh, those things are super tough to replicate the intangibles mm-hmm. that make a player pretty special i think verse will be good i hate the comparisons to jermaine i think it's unfair to both individuals personally all right let's get in the time machine the year is 2028 who will have had the best career at florida state j trav duffy or person zach why me because <laughs> you're the only one of the four of us that will still be doing this then um, <laughs> he may be the only one of who's still alive at that point i am not healthy guys uh, that's a hard one man I, I mean i think probably jay jay trav in my opinion <laughs> I was going to answer it the the same way. But are you going to go over to Sinone's house and help him work this out? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) No, actually, like, I'm I'm high on J-Trav. I think, think like, part of the reason why he he hasn't developed as a passer is because of the wide receiver position. And I finally feel like Florida State did something this offseason to help him at that position. Obviously, you have struggles with the offensive line. Um, but, you know, that could help the other quarterbacks, too, down the line. But a lot of these guys, like Winston Wright, is probably a one-and-done guy if he has a good year. Um, so I think uh, I think J-Trav, especially if he has a big year this year, probably going to have the best career. Um, the only downside to him is that he misses a lot of games uh, due to injuries and, and stuff like that. So, you know. Hopefully he can play a whole season. But if he does play the whole season, I think I think out of the three, I like his his overall production more. You okay over there, Sano? Just I think it. you I think in the day and age of this transfer portal, just with the stats that Jay Traps put up, with the longevity that he's gonna have and has had at Florida State, I'm going I'm just statistically speaking. Mm. J Trav. Speak my I'm language. On the futures. I'm going with AJ Duffy, the man that might save the job of all. Mm. So I, I think Duffy's fully capable. I also think he's a kid that's going to take very well to coaching here, and he's accurate and he can throw it down the field to a certain length. The arm's not insanely good, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Duffy in that threesome. Okay. I've heard. I've heard it's every his arm talent is every good as every bit as good as Chubba Purdy's was, and Chubba was regarded for having a pretty good arm. Uh, the, the big knock on Chubba was no, I, I think Duffy has a good arm. I just don't yeah. want people. I think out of those three, Chris Parson probably has the best arm. The, I have to be honest with you guys. I don't know if we want if just you could tell me to move it along. The Chris Parson stuff did shake me this weekend. All right, big drip. Noel wants to know: <laughs> Did Norvell hit Zach with the band hammer over the Chris Parson fiasco this past Friday? At, first of all, absolutely not. Zach didn't do anything wrong in this scenario. Um, but Brendan, this is your platform, so go ahead. You want to preface this by saying that this is the same guy who you know was a little concerned over 
uh, Travis Hunter having a wandering eye and was told on this podcast, no, you're crazy. And I am someone who studies the human experience. I follow I didn't trends. I tell you, you were crazy. I just said, don't worry about it. I felt like I, I told was you to worry to... about it when you need to worry about when it. you need to worry about it around uh, yes. 30 a.m. on signing day. I think that's when it happened. That was Chris nailed it. That was my point the entire time was okay. just worry about it when you need to worry about, worry it. about it when it's already happened. Gotcha. Cool. It's ride the wave, man. <laughs> so, uh, Ingram Smith going, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a legendary clip. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I mean, so awful and so good. Um, so what are you worried about? You worried, can, can, are, is your ultimate question is, can we as the collective, like, can we, can Chris, can the team, can the fan, can any, can we come back from this? Is that what your concern no, is? No, it's not a comeback thing. It's more of a matter of, of trust. So if you're going to talk about a quarterback and what that position, and I understand that recruits are changing constantly and the game of recruiting is, is evolving and you have to placate towards personalities and information stream is constant. But when you're talking about the quarterback position and the bell cow of your class, if that confidence level was shook that easily and that quickly, that just gives me a level of concern. I just don't, I could see that from any other position group and not love it, but be like, I understand it again. Like it's, we're talking about a different era of recruiting than when we were covering it. Like when I was 22 years old, covering camps and talking to recruits all the time. Like I get that it's changing and the era before that was different, but mm. just for that position group, to be a quarterback and to be the again, the guy that you kind of was hoping is a linchpin of the 2023 class to to start stripping stuff off of the profiles of that quickly does give me concern from a leadership perspective. I could be reading too much into that. It just it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. It's definitely it's not not a red flag. I'll put it that way. I'll stop rambling. Not not a All red right. flag. So back to the question: Did Zach get treated like Adam James? No. Who's uh, Adam no. James? Craig James is. I have no idea. Mike Leach's buddy. Oh, locked in a closet. All right, that's uh, all right. Here's the thing: I, I'm, I had a uh, a medical procedure done on Friday, and I was uh, under anesthesia, and I came out, and as I'm coming to, I get my phone, and there's 42 text messages in our Knowles 24/7 group chat, and I'm just like, oh boy, what, what what's unfolding? Zanone's on a heater. Guys, they're being really mean to me on the message board right now. And no, of course, it's different than normal. Like I took my time because I was I was on a bunch of medic medicine, so I kind of just took my time to see everything that happened. And you know, I understand the craziness. And by the time I came to, like Chris Parson was already tweeting the kebabs, so I kind of already knew the the end result was everything's fine here. But just going back and looking at it, it's like, what did Zach do wrong? He reported that a five-star quarterback is coming on campus. In what world do people pay us money to read a recruiting site? In what world do we not report that a five-star quarterback is coming to campus? And hasn't he already been on campus once? Yeah. yeah. Right. So he's returning. People get mad at us. I mean, people got mad at me for... But in what world should we not report that? Remember people got mad at me putting a clip of McKenzie Milton throwing a flutter ball in practice? Well, I understand like, just, that. People just get mad over... Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. That I understand. Okay, I now that I understand. But this is completely different. I mean, this is actually happening. Like, what's going to happen? Is he going to... Do we want a five-star quarterback to come to campus and then we, we just ignore it? We don't say anything? I think the people that are paying money to read our site and that rely on recruiting information would be kind of dumbfounded if, we, if a five-star recruit came to campus and we were like oh yeah we knew that but we just didn't we didn't want to report on it didn't think it was important 
the whole question is always like, does it hurt my feel good? And, and FSU, for people who subscribe to us or on Twitter, part of FSU Twitter, uh, are is FSU Twitter still a thing? You know what mm -hmm. I mean. Um, FSU is their feel good. It's a source of entertainment and something you identify with, and that's where you put a lot of your like value and like. But a five star recruit coming on campus is feel is good. feel good. I know, but but and they would always feel good about it until it makes them not feel good. And the feel good was taken away when Chris Parsons started stripping True. stuff out of social media. So okay. it just kind so of it's like, easier to blame the site than well, it is. Were to you say... not entertained? <laughs> it was. It was. I had like I was getting calls and stuff like that, and I was like, I'm not entirely sure what happened. I know that Zach posted a story, and then Zach said, "Oh, I he's." Just like to point out, out of the 42 text messages, only two were from me. One was, "Yes, I can participate in the future podcast we're going to do," and the other one was. Man, that was a really uncomfortable phone call. That person didn't want to talk about recruiting. <laughs> I, um, I, had like, I had like six straight phone calls, like back to back to back. Like it was crazy. Yeah, one, but... of, one of them was me just checking on you, Zach. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, you know, it was I, all. I remember, I remember Chris as Zach 17 years ago, worrying about every little thing. It was one of the first times Zach seemed like he was over it. And there was there was a string of like three things in a row. Like he reported, I was like, oh, this is basically, he's just being Brendan right now. Like he's basically just getting dumped on by by everyone for just reporting something that was factual. But Brendan no, just no. appreciated you moving him off of the AJ Duffy height talk. <laughs> <to that. laughs> how, how tall is Chris Parson? <laughs> I, I wanted to know, we, we've moved on. Everybody's moved on. The kebab emojis have been out. He's going to visit campus this weekend. Chris it's Parson, all good. Chris all Parson will, will, will talk to every media outlet on March 5th and say that he's 100% locked in. And, you know, we'll, we'll move on. But in all honesty, how many times, like if he takes everything out of his bio again, I mean, yeah. is there going to be a third time that he can take everything out of his bio? Like, how many times can we have this belt? <laughs> It just felt very early, and that's again part of the concern that not not being a red flag. It just felt what if very early like, on for the starts off the season two and three, two and four. That's what I'm saying. This I feel like prior to this Friday debacle, like we were walking on a lake with four inch thick ice, and all of a sudden we realized that this ice is about an inch thick. When it I've comes to Chris Parsons, nothing is real till in kids' paper. So just just. Roll with you it, sound like every message board poster. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got to document when stuff's happening. And no, I agree. We document it, but like I, I'm not sweating it. Why but I, I know, but I think that this. If might... FSU wins three games this year, none of this shit's going to. We're going to hit December and be doing a coaching search. If they win nine games, we're going we're going to be talking about really good right. players possibly. Like, but what if the they win? Knows? What if they win seven games? And what maybe at one point of the season they're two and five. Like, does What's their quarterback the between heaven but, and hell call Josh? But purgatory. The, but the, that's where we're at. But you could still win seven games. But I, yeah, I just don't know if you're Mike Norvell, how you feel about investing all your time, money, and resources into what you thought was your bell cow recruit, and now things things are things are different in that relationship right now. They got to be. And if they're not, you could be setting yourself up. Jimbo right. was so right about social media. AVFO3. Society! What is the real issue with Parson? Oh, no. We've covered that. <laughs> Bloom24. Best spring guests on starting three wide receivers. There we go. Out of the danger zone. Oh, wow. All right. Winston Wright going to be there, right? Well, he may be 
I don't know if he's 100% entering the spring. So I don't think it's a big deal, but just we'll see. I don't know if he'll be be starting day one guy. All right, never mind. I'm off to a bad start. Chris, go ahead. <laughs> um, End of spring? Is that what the question was? Let's strong? go end of Because we assume Ontario Wilson, Keyshawn Helton get the first reps going like the very first day of spring. I'm yeah, going to go spring. Winston Wright, Micah Pittman, and Pokey Wilson. Okay, I'm going to go Winston Wright, Pokey, Malik McLean. Oh, Malik McLean was my runner up for the record. Okay. Yeah, I go. They want the one have the one. Yeah, I I go. With, I'll go with what Josh said. I think Micah Pittman ends up being a utility guy and plays a lot, but I don't know if he'd be the quote unquote starting three. Zach, you see it any differently? I think Pittman's a starter. I think Winston Wright's a starter. Then probably either I think Pokey you probably put in there at least to start spring. Okay. Hasselhoff, no. How many additional transfers do you see us taking, and do the numbers always work out? Uh, Brendan, yes. I'll let you answer this one. I think we're in settling in at about four right now is what we're kind of preparing for. for three the, to four, I'd probably yeah, say. Yeah, three probably feels a little bit lower now at this point. We'll see. It just depends how much attrition they have after the spring. I know people are probably going to ask about that too on the podcast. It also depends who's available. I mean, I don't think – or like and who attainable. they can get, who's attainable, I should yeah. say. I should say that. Well, let's – I think the better way to answer is like what positions do they absolutely – if they don't get – these two or three like that so let's just work on it that way so they have to well, get in my opinion an offensive tackle right or an offensive so. or a guard you have to get one more guy in the starting five i don't know I, you don't think so i mean i think that that's a major priority but do you i mean what makes you believe that they're going to be able to land a starting offensive tackle you can after get, spring i i will then amend what i just said that even if you exit to go into preseason camp, even if you get a swing tackle type or a starting caliber guard, I think that's still fine. I think you still but need my one point more is, body on that line. Even if they don't, I think they're okay. It's not know. ideal. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I think you could get away with it, but then you can't have any injuries, which it's the offensive line Back that's going to be last year. Yeah, right. then, yeah, so no, I disagree. I think you can't set yourself – if you do that, you're setting yourself up for – uh, what happened last year, which is by the end of the season, you may not be able to field a functional starting. And that being said, they are trying to land one. So, Going so, into spring, I think a pass rush specialist is one of those. But yeah. as we were talking about a guy like Patrick Payton, if he has a big spring, maybe that alleviates that need. Yeah. Same thing with maybe in the secondary, like maybe a corner or a safety. But dep- like, let's say, let's say Renardo Green is healthy and all of a sudden like is in the plans. Well, that may change Back to things. Style. There you go. I like it. It's old school. Uh, Azariah Thomas, like if he's as good as advertised, if not better, and you're like, yeah, we can roll with him. Kind of like what Kevin Knowles ended up being in the spring last year. If that's someone that you're definitely going to be part of your two deep, that may change things. So right. uh, I do think quarterback has to be – I just – you can't go in with three. That just seems way too low. Three scholarship quarterbacks. Oof. Regardless, even if J-Trav didn't have the injury uh, issues, like that's still not enough in my opinion. Um so you need a body at quarterback. So so defensive end, I think, very likely offensive line. Oh, you just used a need a body. Oh, Jimbo flashbacks. Need a body. Dinged in the head. Um. So yeah. So I say three to four is probably the number that we're at. And yes, the numbers always do work out. Oh, thank you. I was wondering if that was still the case, but it's good to know that. They... Who said that? That's Chris's thing, right? Yeah. Josh's. Josh he has a tattoo across his collarbones. I have no regards. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna All right. Say it so wrong. to piggyback off of uh, transfers, TB3 Golf wants to know when do you expect the first wave of attrition to begin? I mean, the first I wave's mean, already ha- happened, right? Right. Uh, the, ne- the next wave would probably be after spring. Is I there think. another wave after the spring wave? Not really. 
I mean, there might be a trickle between then and the start of the season, but I think they're the only wave remaining would be post-spring. Yeah, I think typically what you see is like immediately after the season, then like after exit interviews, the guys who are willing to wait it out, maybe we're told like their scholarship's not going to be you know honored, or hey, you may be better to look elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think spring for some guys on this roster in the bottom half of the roster, actually probably like the bottom quarter, is going to be about making them kind of uncomfortable and seeing how they respond to being uncomfortable. Brendan Gant's a great example of this because he's someone that just it hasn't clicked for him with multiple coaching staffs and I think he's had injuries and just it just hasn't worked out a former four-star talent he's moved positions to linebacker his jersey number's been changed I don't think that was his doing to have the jersey number change and they're seeing how he responds they're making him uncomfortable I believe and he had a black jersey on and tore duty the other day that doesn't mean everything uh, it means something though uh, and you're gonna see how someone like that responds if they respond positively they'll still have a spot on this team if they don't, they may go ahead and transfer themselves if if they don't respond in a positive way and they read the tea leaves. So yeah, yeah. Be Zach, interesting. spring semester is April thirtieth. Uh, yeah, it's it's like April thirtieth or April twenty eighth, something like that. So you know, three weeks after the spring game, you got that window, and then summer probably starts around May tenth. I would presume is the very start of the summer semester, and then obviously yeah. you have different stages of the summer semester. So those are the windows. Okay. Uh, all right, a couple more. Um, let's flip it back over to recruiting. We're not going to talk anything further on the Chris Parson debacle, but we can talk about prediction on how many commits we land from FSU's elite junior day weekend on March 5th. I'll set the over under at two and a half. Personally, I would take the under. Um, you're saying, you were saying on that day specifically? Yes, I'd say on that weekend. So give it like, Let's give it to Monday at noon for it to count for a weekend commitment. Yeah, I'll take the under. Um, I think it's more about relationship building because at the end of the day, a lot of these recruits are just waiting to see what Florida State does on the field, like we always say um, every year. But this this year, most importantly, because this staff, you know, they haven't had a, a winning season on on the football field yet. So it's what they got to produce. And a lot of re- these recruits that are interested in Florida State – want to see that and if they do then i think um they'll consider fsu um especially the, the higher tier ones um obviously there's some guys that aren't as highly ranked that maybe want to commit early um and you know i could see a couple of those guys uh making decisions early i don't have anyone in mind that's like you know usually we'll hear if a guy's going to commit um is planning to commit early heading into the weekend and we'll see if anything develops this week but yeah, I'm taking the under on two and a half. All right. I'll take the under for the weekend, but I'll take the over on the class. I think there will be Definitely. more than two and a half prospects on campus this weekend that end up committing to FSU. But like you said, Zach, not, I'll pick, not only is it a show me for state right now for FSU that they're in, but it's also just the first weekend of spring. I know we're calling it an elite weekend and there's definitely an emphasis on getting guys there, but you better believe when the spring game rolls around in April, we're all going to think that, you know, that's the most important weekend of the spring because, you know, getting guys to come see the game is, is also very important. So while I think that this is going to be a big weekend, I do think that they're going to slow play it a little bit, meaning the recruits, and we'll see probably less than two and a half commitments. So for the 22 class, what was the most productive weekend slash day for that class? Was it the summer officials? June I think it was. Yeah. Right. When like Sap and Woody – all and of those kind of came about. Right? Bishop Thomas. Yeah. Lightsey. 
and Daniel Lines was around <laughs> for that, then it commit then obviously. Throwing Jager, but yeah. Yeah, that was probably the biggest weekend of the year, I would say. Not even, you know, the Midnight Madness was good. It it, it served its purpose, created the buzz for Florida State yeah, as needed. Creator. But I don't think it was the the camp or the the date that we would point to and say, this was it. I do I'm, think it was that big official visit weekend in June. I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I'm really interested to see, for the aforementioned reasons that you mentioned, is that that his team hasn't had a winning season on this staff and you have to kind of start figuring out a way. Like, I'm really curious to see what Mike Ravel's going to do to create some of the momentum, like mm-hmm. to try to, to find these events that can help you maybe punch above your weight class. Do you have any, th- like, I, I don't, I'm very interested to see what he does. I don't, but I'm not worried about it because one of the things that I've seen with Mike Norvell is that his, some of his ideas are very timely. Um, and I think that's the most effective way to do things. Like you do what's right in that moment. You don't necessarily do what you did the, the year before, just because you did it the year before, but as the moment comes, how do you shift and how do you adapt and make things a little bit more better, a little bit more special. And I think that's something that Mike Norvell's proven that he can do. I think I don't know. Go ahead, Zach. I think with the March 5th event, um, like what, what Brendan was saying, coming up with something that can build momentum. You know, we've heard that they're going to bring NFL guys on campus, former Knowles, uh, you know, to be a, around the recruits while they're on campus that, that Saturday and throughout the weekend. So I think, you know, that's something that Mike Norvell's and his staff are thinking about to try and, you know, build up hype for this event specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen them do that before under this staff. Obviously, we've seen past coaching staffs, like I think Willie Taggart's first spring game. They brought up all those uh, alumni. Um, but but definitely is going to help build hype around this event. And, I, and what Josh was saying, I, th- I, I wholeheartedly agree that Norvell seems to come up with uh, – unique and creative solutions to building up that hype because Florida state um, for the past few years has not been a a hot name in in the national landscape yet on midnight madness, they were the name, they were the the school to talk about um, for how unique that was. Obviously that's not, you're not going to replicate that specifically that exact event, but I think Norvell has a a unique ability to create those kind of uh, moments. Memphis, yeah. also has four current commitments for a 23 class. What's that number going to be at the end? Are you playing the game of high school versus transfer? You know, those are all things evaluated in real time. I don't think they're going to push simply take kids to bulk up their number. I think, you know, certain kids, a Roger Kearney, for example, comes to mind. If that kid wants in, they're taking them most Absolutely. likely, I would presume. So um, I, I think it's kind of a who and when and what and how many type of situation. Okay. Uh, of those, Miss Greg Reed says, of those that have seen or studied Lamont Green, what's your evaluation of him? Strengths, weaknesses, immediate impact versus developmental player? I don't think he's a developmental kid. He, he's a kid that works very hard at building up his body now. His dad pushes him pretty good in that regard, and he's got the work ethic to go about doing it. Pretty long, decently lean at this point, starting to really fill into that frame, though. I think he'll be pretty big by the time he steps on the campus as a member of the football team. I don't want to turn him into something more than he is, but I think he's a kid that's going to be able to be capable of contributing his first two years at FSU. Uh, Noel MD wants to know, are we still talking to Raekwon O'Neal? 
I said it from the beginning, Florida State kind of reached out. I think that they're going to slow play him through the spring and kind of see what happens. Um, were we ever talking to Cole Spencer from Western Kentucky? No, not to my knowledge. Brooklyn Knoll 8 has a similar question. Is the staff still in contact with the defensive lineman out of Georgia Tech? Is a visit slash offer coming? Um, his name was, is, was it Jordan Dominic? Yes. yes. Yes, Jordan Dominic out of Georgia Tech. I'd put him in the same group as Raekwon O'Neal, somebody that they've reached out to, they've established contact with. I think Jordan Dominic, though, is different because Raekwon O'Neal's from New Jersey, whereas Dominic is from Lakeland, Florida. And I think it's a scenario where, yeah, ideally FSU would like to get somebody of more of an instant impact type player, but Jordan Dominic might be a very real addition down the road. So him and Raekwon O'Neal are kind of guys that FSU's reached out, made contact with, and I think that they'll, you know, evaluate their options after spring, but both these guys are on the radar. BTB, I don't even know how to say this. Am I the only one that doesn't feel excited about recruiting? Now we've kind of hit on that. All right. This is a good one for, for, Brendan, Jack Stribe wants to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, Brendan, what's your frustration level with the message board today? Ten, 10. Currently. 10. 10. A tan! A tan! Where's that from? Sounds like Jimbo. Varsity Blues. Oh, kind okay. of. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We got some more team. A couple more here. Wait, hold, just rewind. Am I crazy? Was the whole AJ Duffy thing my fault? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Noel Hoyle wants to know more likely significant impact, Quayshon Fuller or Leonard Warner. Oh, geez. Um, I'll go Fuller. Uh, yeah, we Fuller. know who and what Leonard Warner is. Yeah, and Fuller flashed. I mean, I don't think he's uh he's ready to step into the rotation, but he 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 flashed a little bit last year. If you could sign one player, this is Noel Hoyle again. If you could sign one player from next year's class for certain, who would be the realistic one you want? Like not Arch Manning. But who would you oh, want realistic? 23. Um hell, I I Richard Young. Okay. I'm dying. I'm dying for an elite background. You right? are, you are, you are. I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna say Vic Burley because he has even though he's a long shot and he's not coming to Florida State, he has visited, so he's kind of in that realm. And I think getting back to elite number one players at their position in the trenches matters. So I'm going Vic Burley. Zach, you got a, anybody that you would wish into this class? Brendan Ennis for me, the five-star wide out, out of American Heritage. That would be a statement signee to going down to South Florida and taking somebody that USC and Alabama and everybody else kind of have their hooks in on. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a big get. Brendan, you got anybody on the radar? No. Okay. Thank you. Brendan's in his feels right now. I know he is. All right. Who, in your opinion, was the biggest flop between expectations from fans and actual production last season? So they're just talking about last season. He says uh, Travis J. Travis J. Yeah, yeah, Travis J. And you listen, I was, we were part of that. Like, we were part of the hype machine. He was awesome in camp. Like, he was tossing people around. He was not allowing – and maybe he allowed, like – he had a, a stretch for, like, three or four days where he allowed maybe, like maybe two or three catches. It was At really impressive. At least we impressive. can use, say a different name other than Joshua Kando now. Fans have a weird obsession with Demore Tate, too. Yes. He's one of those. And I wouldn't say – very weird. persistent last year. He fits in with the – It's because he was J. once a former five-star. I know. I understand why yeah. it's, it's just – 
he has yet to but then he got bumped down to a four star and everybody yelled at us that the rankings don't matter because he's a five star all the way i just blame Ivans. i don't even think that was in Ivans time yet but i just i don't think so either all right uh which coach has been the least pleasant to deal with either on past stats or this one i will go first um the great tim brewster was probably my arch nemesis and everybody thought me and Tim, well, everybody thought like opposing coaches would text me all the time. Oh, you and Brewster over there, you know, cooking it up. And it's like, no, me and actually hate each other. <laughs> I uh, like it. Cause they're both Josh, Josh could be categorized as a bit of an eccentric. I think Brewster is definitely an eccentric. And it's just funny that those, the eccentricities uh, did not. Well, melt. I'll, I'll even go back. I mean, effort at this point i'll go back and i know exactly the moment that set that like just threw brewster for a loop so I there was like drank his beer the no i did drink his beer but that's that, he didn't ever know that the number one player in, in illinois was an offensive tackle and brewster offered him and in the comment section of the article me and chris both were just like you know he, he's a long shot got to get him on campus first Apparently Brewster saw that, said that we were overly negative. We're too negative. We're bad for the program. Me and Chris Nee are both bad for the program. We're overly negative, and he's going to land this kid. I mean, they've only won one national title in the time I've covered them. This was pre-national title. This, this was. Oh, um, okay. So maybe we were overly negative. But it was only because in one instance we said the number one player in Illinois was not coming to Florida State, and he didn't come to Florida State. Did but that's visit? where it started. My answer would be Bill Miller. Not like he wasn't rude or hostile. I just didn't like Bill. Like I thought he was stealing a check from FSU. And I I would sit at camps and just be like dumbfounded that this dude's making this amount of dough from this school to do what he's doing here. I would go with Jimbo Fisher. He just he made it really difficult to cover at the end. And what are you talking about? 2017 was a great year. Chris definitely didn't have a nervous breakdown. It was it was it was it was unnecessarily hostile. A constant array of lying while accusing other people of lying. It was uh, it was a toughie. I think Bob will be comfortable with me sharing this story, but there was once a post practice that stretched for about three hours. We never got Jimbo. It got canceled, and I got a phone call. Bob's trying to kill somebody. (laughs) Oh, I also Bob. Bob's like nicest guy on earth, doesn't do these things. So that that's 2017 in a nutshell. Don't yeah. don't Google Bob Ferrante murder because there's another Bob Robert yeah, Ferrante out there. That's, that's not our Bob. Just I just making sure there's plausible dying Why like were you Chris Googling just... Bob Ferrante murder? I wasn't. I, I was know Googling you Bob did. Ferrante yeah, once. You definitely did. You definitely no, did. I Googled Bob Ferrante as well. And if you just go if you Google Bob Ferrante, then the murder will show. Oh, but also remember there's the that. Google it right now. Remember that period of time when Willie was lying to me intentionally? That was good, too. Yeah, he was misleading you. And and that's my old thing. is not in the portal. What do you guys report it? He never really did show up in the portal. He was right. He did put his name in the portal, though. So semantics. I'm glad some people pounded that, their chest that over really that. That time fun. was so much fun. It was like a weird it was fever the... dream slash. He drank way too much. Shouldn't have taken those mushrooms. It was just a weird deal. It was like the Wild West out there. It was fun. Yeah, that was crazy. But the team was getting better with him. If we had been really good and then Willie happened, I probably would have handled it a lot differently. But because we kind of grooved into that era and then just took it all the way down the shitter, I was good with it. Like, I handled it really well. 
I'm here for a rebound. Who is the offensive lineman that they, the offensive line coach that they hired? Which one? From Greg Ole Miss? Fry? Greg? Oh, Randy. Randy, Randy. Remember when I was like asking Willie, like, Randy Clements is coming. It's being reported by Chris Lowe of ESPN. I just wanted, like, I was just like reaching out. And he just sends me like laughing emojis saying like, what are these guys making hires for me? Like, I'm not hiring him. And I'm sitting there like, I know he's hiring him. They had two wide receiver coaches at the same time. Things got weird. It was, I mean, yeah, the Ron Dugans thing. He lied to you over Ron Dugans. He's like, I've never talked to Ron Dugans in my life. And then like a week later, like Ron Dugans is. But it was just for like a three week period where he just decided like, I'm just going to blatantly mislead this person josh had a rough week or a rough couple weeks there he was like what happened here's exactly what happened i was not using willie taggart to report the news and i don't need willie tag like i never used jimbo fisher to report the news and i reported a ton of breaking news for eight seven eight years so i'm not using willie taggart i have great sources all around and willie is like hey so modest you you know i'm the best source if you if you're if you're hitting up all my guys for sourcing why not just come to me and i said well i didn't want to bother you you know not all this stuff needs to be run by the head coach he's like i'll make sure you're never wrong so okay so i'm like oh, okay i'll play his game for the next three weeks he's just out and out lying to me so i just stopped using him as a source again and i went back to not using him as a source and getting everything right and reporting on the team and life goes on it was just a really weird like thing where he wanted me to use him as the source but then everything i'm reporting is wrong it was the strangest thing in that in that span of that like couple weeks there josh also reported i think it was demarcus adams was entered the transfer portal and that was the first time (sighs) that we had done that as a site and it was the first guy from fsu to enter the transfer portal and people especially on twitter i think were not handling it well being like oh you need to let these kids play out the processes and now look at just two years later where where i had to call james coleman and let him know, like, this is news. I'm going to continue to report on this. And you just, like, just watch. Like, there's a lot of people out there bashing me for reporting on the transfer portal. I mean, it sounds asinine now, but, like, people, yeah, just kind of weird. Yeah. And the James Blackman thing was was fun, too. But that was, like, you had, like, Josh had, so I broke the news, and I could have, I needed to be clear in the headline to avoid confusion. But the facts of the story were like, and I was told later by someone on, like in the program, like, oh, everything you wrote in that story was true. We got it from his family. His family and, was telling uh, us I James. Don't wa- I don't want to just I walked nece- in. I'm not necessarily comfortable with revealing sourcing there. But anyways, too late. Yeah, too late. I mean, at this point, whatever. I guess. Yeah. Thanks, what Josh. Do you, yeah. I I didn't say shit. Um, but I have no clue how we ended up here. <laughs> but Melberg. <laughs> But then, then we got Willie calling Josh, telling Josh that that's not happening. You guys have no idea. Meanwhile, then all of a sudden, another pl- a parent. He was asking players, me who the source was, and I wouldn't players, tell him who the source was. Good, on, good. Yeah, that's unethical for him to ask that, too. Very. Anyways, like uh, a player's parent called Josh the next day. So Josh kind of, uh, I'm appreciative in hindsight of Josh and at the moment, too, of Josh having my back during that. Because he we knew what we reported was correct. And... Josh had a player's parent call, and this player's parent, who players now in the NFL, was also considering entering the transfer portal and was not happy. And the parent and the player were trying to get a, a meeting with Willie Taggart, but Willie was on the road recruiting. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Willie left the road recruiting, evidently, to come back to talk to James to smooth things over. And he was so pressed for time. It was such a, a wrench thrown in their plans that he wasn't able to meet with this other NFL caliber player uh, who was considering entering the portal at that time. Do you remember that, Josh, as well as yeah. part of the dynamics? And that was just more further evidence like, oh, we are correct. Like, there's stuff <laughs> happening here. And they got him to take his name out of the portal uh, before it ever showed up for that 48-hour uh, window, which that was all new. So yeah, that's how we got here. Right. AJ uh, Duffy Jimbo. is six foot two, and the average ACC quarterback is six foot three. Everyone can chill the hell out. I think that ends the <laughs> the podcast for the day. Jimbo to Willie created this is rock bottom, and we just kept creating new rock bottoms, and now we've moved on from rock bottom. I feel like we have. have, have When's the last rock time you used rock bottom? I've Jacksonville I've, State. <laughs> I don't know that he did, did he? We should have. It just became a running joke. This has become very navel-gazing, this podcast. (laughs) All right, let's burn the mailbag. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. We got a big week this week. Um, We got a Tony Tokar's interview coming for you guys. He's going to sit down with us later today. Chris, tell the people what's up for FSU Sports this week. A whole lot again. Softball's in action this weekend. Pitt ACC game. Start playing baseball. Has Cal this weekend. They're at Mercer tomorrow. Basketball. Men's wraps up their regular season. They host uh, Notre Dame on Wednesday. NC State on Senior Day on Saturday. Obviously, football starting. We got tour of duty tomorrow. We've got uh, first practice on Saturday as well as a Junior Day. Um, women's basketball ACC tournament. Hell, there's some other stuff. Men's and women's tennis are both in action. Um, men's golf is in Mexico playing right now. The second round is today. So there's a whole lot. It's that busy time of year. Yep. Who's who's going to tour duty tomorrow? I'll be there. Zach, you're going? Yeah, I'm going. This is, a, this is an audio medium, so you raising your hand does absolutely nothing for the thousands of people listening. I just wanted to let you know before I started talking. I I'm going to go to the see, gym. See you guys at 5 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow at 5 a.m. and do such an intense workout that I'm throwing up in the trash cans just so that I'm there with you guys. Uh, Carter Boatwright style. <laughs> All, All right. right. So thank you guys for tuning in to a uh, action-packed episode of On the Bench. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.